And you're listening to Punk Theology. This is episode 19 of season one, Going Through Stages. Life is full of change. And there's something about us that resists it. Something about it that's exhilarating. It depends on the kind of change, right? We get into it today here on the podcast. Punktheology.com is the website for this here podcast. We did some upgrades to the website. It's still a work in progress, but uh, it's moving forward. Um, Speaking of moving forward, if you enjoy these podcasts, we would love to have you on board as like a bandmate. Right, and our van that we used to haul the punk theology gear in metaphorically. This is a metaphorical van. You see where I'm going with this? I'm I'm asking for co-producers, all right, to help co-produce this endeavor with us. Be in the van with us, pitch in some gas money. I don't know. Uh, Punktheology.com. You can give to the show there. We would certainly appreciate that. Also, there's blogs, there is our Facebook page, Punk Theology Pub, would love to see you there, and at Punk Theology Pod on Twitter. Who likes change, right? Like, do we like it? Some of us do, some of us don't. Is that a personality thing? And listen, I'm not just talking about changing your furniture around, right? Or your wardrobe, or moving to a new city even. I'm talking about when your worldview starts to change. When the things that you held on as really hard convictions, you're growing older, or you've seen some tragedy in your life, or some situations and you start to see the cracks in that old way of viewing the world and those old convictions and it's a little scary I'll shut up here we go Hey, I'll apologize up front for the audio quality on this here podcast, but hey, we got it started, right? It does start and it does go down the road. So there's that. It's a little punk rock, like an old van that just is there to haul gear, right? I describe Morris Hill as like fundamentalism in a Ramones t-shirt. Because <laughs> a lot of it was fundamentalism. The, the theology but was it, fundamental. But I think it degressed into a worse... Because it, it didn't start it that way. We're not friends anymore because we think differently yeah. about... About church? What? Is you become aware of people that are clergy or or pastors that have bought into a system. Their livelihood is attached to that first stage. Yeah. Where they're not even free to ask the questions because of self-preservation or their livelihood is dependent on it. And that's a real, it's got to be a really painful situation. Or maybe they can ask, because I know pastors that will ask the question, in certain circles. Yeah, they won't. Yeah. Not to the... No. Not to your average. Asking someone why they want to believe something is poking holes in their foundation. Yeah. And it gets them thinking to move out of the house. Move from stage one to stage two. We were going to talk about Charlottesville and racism, and this is the one-year anniversary of what happened in Charleston, and all that's really, you know, it's, it weighs heavy on our hearts, and we don't want to, you know, talk lightly of that stuff, but at the same time, we're just a bunch of fucking white guys. Except me. 
Except for John. John's a Mexican guy, but you're still a white guy. <laughs> like, if you went to Charlottesville Spanish, and had a Spanish. fucking Confederate flag, they wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> I mean, like that David Chappelle skit or something. Remember, remember that one where yeah, he was like a dude. blind uh, KKK member? It, and when he found yeah. out he was black, he wanted to kill himself because he was so committed to the cause. <laughs> He'd divorce his wife. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, how do we get on this? Not funny. Not, not it is funny. well. That's it is funny. That's comedy. <laughs> that's a part of this show is comedy. No, and we're not is, laughing at people's pain, but where the point is is that we're a bunch of white dudes that have no real understanding. Right? Yeah, no understanding. Yeah. No place to be giving our fucking opinion. It's like it's just like if we had an opinion, probably don't listen to it because it's not. Worth it. It's we yeah. It's, it's, through, it's filtered through our opinion. white fucking eyes. I w- and I love uh, we have we all have black friends. We live in Seattle, for God's sake. This is not a a racist kind of one. I could shit all over the South, but I won't. Um, we. <laughs> I, I love you guys in the <laughs> South, I do. And the people that, that would be offended by that aren't listening anyway. So Not anymore. Yeah, right? But, yeah, so, you know, I mean, racism is, is fucking horrible, and we all know it, and we all love our black friends and our black neighbors, and we support them and would bend over backwards for them. But at the same time, we can't see through their eyes in this episode. The temptation would be to just pick up on what's hot right now in the news because uh, we'd get more views or listeners yeah, we or whatever. Hits, but, but yeah, like there's better places to go talk about that. Don't. Yeah. And we're not going to just soak off that, which we are a little bit right now. But we're transitioning. <laughs> we're transitioning into. Next subject. Next subject, yeah. You Chuck, you had a, a great topic that you brought up, and we all yeah, kind so of I captivated. We're like, yeah, man, that's no, a, actually, that's you a thing. You, you all just said it was shitty. We all shit on it yeah. at first, but then just like the south, we <laughs> had to think about it. <laughs> just like the Confederate flag, we took a big dump on it, and then uh, anyway. So I just finished. Um, oh, his name. Why do I always forget people's names? The dude. Yeah, some guy. Richard Rohr's book, oh, yeah. uh, Falling Upward. Oh, um, yes, And so that's where it stems yes. from. So, I, you know, it's let's talk about the least will be first and the first will be least. And I I guess I'll start with my original understanding of that passage in, was it Mark? Mm, sure. I don't know. Sure. One of the Gospels. Um, pre-listening to his Richard Rohr's book, it was more of a... You do whatever you can, you know, like you'd hold a door open for somebody, you'd give them change, you'd just bend over backwards to get out of the way. Kind of yeah, thing. more of a behavioral kind of behavior mod kind of yes, yeah, approach yeah. to it. You treat the people that you think are shitty like pretending that you don't think that they're shitty. Yes. Is that kind of what yeah, it yeah, it's, it's a bunch of pretending. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, oh, you're an asshole. I'm going to try to be nice to your face, but A, I still think you're an asshole, and B, behind your back... I'm telling everyone that. But but um, let's me be sanctimonious about the fact <laughs> that, <laughs> that I think you're an asshole. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was it was the first full audiobook that I've actually listened to. Um, he talks about the two stages of life yeah. and my What are the two stages of life, Chuck? Stage one and stage two. <laughs> that, that makes sense. It's <laughs> an engineering answer. I'll raise your glass to that one. Yeah. <laughs> That that the two stage thing has gave me a lot of vocabulary and, and language for some things I was experiencing that yeah. I hadn't encountered before, and it really, really resonated with me. And a lot of people I know they've gone through a, a shift in their thinking or in their faith. Um, his explanation of the two stages of life was really helpful for yeah. me. And his book that, that's a great place yeah, to start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what is your take on the two stages? I haven't formulated one. I just finished this book yesterday, and I'm planning on starting it again tomorrow. Okay. So it, it is, explained, somebody explained so the two gonna, stages. So you're digesting. Yeah, yeah, what are the so two the, stages? So um, the first stage of life is, uh, and again, this is, you could poke holes in this. A lot of this is just analogy. But but generally speaking, it's, uh, you know, we, we do best when we're born into a system or into, I think he uses the word, a container. Mm-hmm. And this is the stage of life where 
uh, rules are important, doctrine is important, uh, right belief, boundaries, lines is important. These are the rules. Uh, the, the, this is the, the system. And, and it works and it serves a purpose. It, you have things that are defined and clear. Uh, in, in this stage, things like dogma is really valued. Um, I, I think he says that uh, people that have a more conservative bent really like this stage because, again, things are just clearly defined. Right. Um, uh, barriers, boundaries, definitions. And, and then at some point along the way, it usually happens to people in their late 30s to early 40s, generally speaking, there can be some variance. Sometimes it doesn't happen to people at all. Some people just stay in the first stage. But what can happen is your life experience gets to a place where uh, this container isn't holding me well anymore. Like, it's not true to my life experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of cognitive dissonance happened mm-hmm. or, or happens in that, in, in that kind of transition stage where... Uh, the rules, the boundaries, the guidelines don't make sense anymore. They're not serving me anymore. And my life experience isn't validating them at all anymore. And so then you move to the second stage, which is sort of... Do you have of, an example for the first stage, maybe in your own development as a young younger person? Chuck, do you... No, I have a uh, Richard Rohr's example. It's the basement. Well, do you, house. for example... Me personally? Yeah. For um, example, is there some kind of dogma you had to just just let go of and drop like a like a jacket on a hot day from your from your past maybe a theological dogma or something that you held dear at one point that you just said oh fuck no <laughs> well and it's there's lots I guess um, the two that come to mind is just the whole like saying a prayer and we've talked about this before uh-huh. you know it's you <clears throat> you had the altar call and I said the prayer and it's gonna fix me mm. and so it's why I mean, in the first stage of life, that was those are rules. So, so it's like, oh, okay, I do this to go here, and now it's like, wait, you got to be fucking joking, right? Um, why would you ever do that? It can, the first stage can be really binary, very um, black and white. Uh, uh, that, that that can be a part of that first dualistic. stage. Dualistic, dualistic, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah very much mm-hmm. dualistic. And I do like how he brings a lot of just dualism and mysticism into the book too it's just it's just a it's a good book I mean mm. period so right it's falling upward falling upward yeah the big one for me on that example was evolution because it was such a big dogmatic thing for me growing up like that was so important uh, in the culture that I grew up in uh, and honestly I just didn't even want to do any research at all into that like like anything like any of the really interesting good science that was coming out like I just like I, I couldn't even it. handle it and I, no, no I didn't even it wasn't even that I ignored it like I just could not take it right like it like like yeah yeah exactly like and it wasn't and it wasn't even intentional it was like oh like like my brain felt like it was yeah, freaking out yeah. like like no 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 so like, I had that I had that feeling when he's explaining a portion of whatever analogy he's using and he talks about the the evolutionary world of being like four billion years old or whatever and the first thing I went to was like yeah fuck you you're stupid and then I was like wait a second and I rewound it and re-listened to it and it's like wait why like you know and again he's talking about evolution and it's like there is evolution it's yeah. it's proven here it is here's the yeah. science behind it so why am I just completely turning this off right and why am I ignoring it why am I just flat just I think for me Processing that was processing meaning and purpose in life, because I I was very tempted by evolution when when my you know because I wasn't I, I rejected religion a long time ago, um, but the thing with evolution for me and the reason I didn't I also kind of did that too even even as a guy who lost my religion so to speak. Um, I, I still ignored a lot of it or argued with a lot of it because of the meaninglessness behind it. I didn't like the meaninglessness. Like, if we all evolved, then I'll just live my life like a bottle rocket and, and fuck it. Why not run into a, you know, a bank with a gun? I, you know, that kind of thing. Like, would I go there? Because I didn't trust myself. Right. 
Chuck and I were in the group, and our, our th- the therapist the teacher of the group said, that was one of the, do you trust yourself? That's a great question, right? Because <laughs> at that point, at, at this point in my life, I trust myself more than I did at that point. And that's where meaning for me and the evolutionary reality is if I, if I hold this or if I learn more about it, Will I just say fuck it? Right, and and feels like you're you're up on the edge, and that might be the thing that just pushes you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, That sounds familiar. Interesting. Like like, it's already hard enough to balance all these fucking plates. Like, don't throw me another plate, (laughs) right? Like, there's already a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, I don't need one more thing. Okay, but it's all. I got Jesus, and that's good enough for me right now. It's but it's all in your brain, right? You know, it's the so. You put out the teaser. I still got you know, Jesus. It's like share, 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 and it's like yeah, fuck that. You know, like it's just different now. No, thank you. And <clears throat> I shared it, of course, because it's like, well, you're uncomfortable. Do it anyway. You'll grow. Um. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad my manipulation tactic worked. <laughs> so I get, a, but I get it was a te- coaching, Derek. That's coaching. I get a text message uh, <laughs> from Sheena, and she's like, "Oh, how are your parents taking it?" I'm like, "Taking what?" Like I haven't heard from you in a while. Like. Good morning, you know? Like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? She's like, oh, well, like, have you talked with your parents? I'm like, well, about what, you know? Well, your sexual abuse. No. Well, you, sh- I, you know, like I, like, I listened to the teaser. It's like, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm dealing with that. Like, <laughs> thanks. Like, fuck. Thanks like, for bringing that up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, and then I come to realize, it's like, wait a second. My mom don't fucking listen to this shit right. on Facebook. You know, right. she's, she's not on social fuck. media, right? And if it's the instant the Metallica dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? Like there's, <laughs> enough, there's enough music. And you, you see the statistics. What is it, like 10 seconds, 15 right. seconds, yeah. and it turned off? I'm not talking yet. So it's like, mom, she's out. Dad, he might listen to it until he realizes it's Metallica. He might listen a little bit longer. <laughs> but most likely the video game that he was playing, he, you know... Hit refresh or whatever. So it's like, <laughs> wait, this is all in my brain. Your dad plays video games? Yeah. That's kind of cool, actually. No, it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so first stage. Okay. Did we, did we cover did, first stage? Did we cover first stage? I think yeah. you got that. Yeah. Is my meaningless talk, does that enter into the second stage? Am well, I crossing the in, boundary? Okay, so, so in the second, second stage, of, you start to deconstruct. You start right. to ask questions. The container isn't holding you anymore. And oh shit, <laughs> Stephen Hawking isn't a fucking demon. And, He's just another dude. And your pastor doesn't pain. know everything. It sounds like that because it's a computer. Your pastor <laughs> doesn't know everything. Uh, your your dogma is a human construct. You know, he, uh, evolution's real. I, I don't know. Like it could it could take on a million forms. For a lot of people, it's actually death by a thousand paper cuts. Really. Yeah. And and you just start to ask questions and and. Roar talks about how liberals can love this, but where liberals can get stuck is it's it, it can lead to the the pitfall in the second stage is peeling back the layers of the onion endlessly. It could just never end. Just question, right. question, 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 searching, 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 yeah, searching. Rabbit hole. Yeah, and and that can be the pitfall in the second stage. It's just uh, because you're out of the container, but now uh, you know what, what do you do? Where do you go? And some people can be kind of aimless and, and sort of crazy for a while. But, the you know, but you can't get the toothpaste back in the tube, so to speak. So you can't go back. I mean, it's it's out. And I and what I've always said, because when I've had conversations with people that are still in that first stage, I mean, they, they look at you like you have two heads or you're a heretic or you're asking some crazy questions. It's like you, you in, until you've gone through it. You don't understand it. Yeah. yeah. And and it's like you can quote, you can prove text scriptures or, 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 you know, have platitudes, but I left the building. I'm out. I, you sound like uh, the teacher on Charlie Brown to me or, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gone. Or, or people that have left the building are, are gone. The things that had power over you absolutely have no power. Even though the classic this- one is all these people all of a sudden start quoting scripture at you. It's like that is that does not mean the same thing it's, as you feel like yeah. it means. Yeah. Like, like yeah. But I, the nice like, part though is you can you still know and understand where they came from. Right. Or where uh, they're yes. at. But yes. they, but they so have no they have no connection whatever. to you, but you have all of the connection to them. And so you can 
you're never going to reason with them because they're still in it and they don't understand. Right. Um, but you can have the whatever empathy or understanding of just where they are in their life. Right. I'm about two to three years out. And I'm just barely, I'd say within the last, just this year, last several months getting to that place. Yeah. If you talk to me probably last year, fuck fundamentalists, there's assholes. And now it's like, I've kind of gone through that. Now I, I can empathize and I get it. I'm on the front porch. I'm outside the house, <laughs> but I'm on the front porch. Like it's, and it's really weird because it's, I'm the same thought of while I stepped outside, I, it's the, now I have to step off the front porch. Right. You know, and so it's, right. You start to see a lot of the insecurity in it in, yeah. in, in the first stage. A lot of, the, a lot of that need for certitude and holding on to those things is really strong. And it's really insecurity, doubt, it's a big. I think those are big themes woven woven to it. But but I don't blame people. I, I mean, heck, I would love certitude. That sounds wonderful. I take certitude over mystery most days. <laughs> See, all this reminds me also of recovery. So being in a, in a recovery group, first for for drugs and and then for the my my sexual, you know, crap, bad habit. Um, when you enter into recovery, it's because you've realized at some point that your behavior is controlling you, you're not controlling it. So that's why generally people start in recovery. Um, in, in, the, in the realm of sexually compulsive behavior, there's an interesting statistic that says that two-thirds of men who enter into that kind of recovery are there because someone they love has been wounded by their behavior. Mm. So they kind of enter in not really for their own health and well-being, but because they've hurt and injured someone else. So this wall... Which is threatening you guys are, your health and well-being. Exactly. Which but is, it hasn't necessarily... Yeah, yeah, it's all over their pocketbook, too, you know. Divorce is expensive for, for some of these guys. And I don't, I don't know if necessarily it's about divorce, because I think some of the guys who are going to defend their behavior, they're just out anyway, because right. if you really want to just... If you have money and you want to fuck 20-year-olds as a 40-year-old man, you can do that. But because they have a heart, they see they've injured their spouse, they're in a recovery group. Um, and so that the, that line starts to get crossed. And it takes sometimes it takes a, an aggressive group leader to just get in their face and start to break down that fucking wall. And I saw that. Some of it at Mars Hill. Like James Noriega was – and he was – I don't know, the man, the guy that probably beats up on himself. And, yeah, he probably – he's not perfect. You know, he's a man. But I saw him just tear into people with the way that they've handled their family, with the way they understand God, with um, – it was interesting. As Marcel started to, to com- decompose – it was a lot of the recovery people that were out first. Like, they hit the bricks first. Like, we're fucking out of here. Because we see this guy's ego, and it's running the show, yeah. not the spirit. And that's why a lot of those guys were out. But anyway, my point with Noriega is that he he would go after those those dogmas, those sacred cows. And and I'd see people get mad and, and get up and leave. He's a controversial the, guy. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't know him at all, but I, I know people that did. And a lot of those guys would come back. A good majority of them would come back next week because they knew that, you know, hey, thanks for talking. Some even thank them. Thanks for talking to me like that. You know, I even said that to him. Hey, I know that I was kind of pissed at you, <laughs> but thanks for thanks for getting in my face and, and addressing that because I was just defending my. And, you know, ironically, a lot of it was what Driscoll was teaching from the stage in a lot of cases. It was, I'm the man. You're going to listen to me. I'm doing what I should do. I'm paying the bills, and you're not putting out or whatever. You know, that's not that's not the, the point. If you're talking about the Mars Hill experience and even churches like it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not addressing that so much as I'm addressing what you, you guys were talking about with the first stage and the second stage. Yeah. So what he's doing is he's ripping down that wall of the first stage dogmas to get into the second stage because that's where – Change begins. So that's piggy- where that's how people change as they get rid of all that shit. Piggybacking on that a little bit and looking at that experience and observing it, it it's a confusing thing to dissect because it, well, so much of it was just really confusing and difficult. But I, I've joked that I describe Mars Hill as like fundamentalism in a Ramones T-shirt because <laughs> it, 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 a lot of it was fundamentalism. 
the the theology but is it, fundamental. But I think it degressed into a worse because it didn't start it that way. It, it got more fundamentalist, but it was always here's the doctrinal distinctive. Yeah, it's it was doctrinalism. Uh, inerrancy of scripture, Reformed Baptist theology is essentially what it is. And that didn't change. It just became kind of stronger right. as time went on. But it was a little punk rock. I mean, because, okay, yeah, we're complementarian and we believe in the authority, the Bible only, and, and the Bible's perfect because God wrote a book. <coughs> I would twitch anytime Driscoll said that. I really would. Because I was never really an inerrantist while I was there. Um, and uh, uh, what was the other one? Complementarian, oh, uh, Reformed Baptist theology. Those were like the biggies on Luther the eye chart. But it was okay <laughs> for you to swear, for you to have pink hair or whatever the hell. I mean, it was okay. Yeah, that, yeah, that was okay as long as you bought into that other stuff. So it was kind of confusing because it looked edgy and it looked like it wasn't fundamentalist because, you know, they're not a bunch of ladies with... Well, it uh, came down to what Driscoll always talked about, closed hand, open hand. Yeah. And that he most fundamentalists are double closed fisted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And two two fists closed, uh, and and so he opened one of the fists, and he probably should have opened two of the fists, and that's where his downfall was. I almost think that both fists might have been closed. It's just he didn't care what you wore, <laughs> or, or, well, I, or 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 what you, or maybe if. You and at the beginning, swore, when I but. started going. There was a lot more openness yeah. to that type of thing. 2006, I started going. Yeah. That's a really good cigar. Is it? Yeah, I've had that one. Um, what was confusing for me when it, the whole thing fell out was... Cuban mistake. Was... <laughs> kind of just, I totally had to just you know leave the reservation completely. Because I, I was done. I was actually done before I even left. I was done for a while. And I finally left. Um, and... When it when shit hit the fan and it crumbled, what I saw around me with friends was was this longing for well let's find let, let's keep all the good stuff let's keep all the um, the good things that the church had the solid preaching the you know the good music but let's do away with the the corporate top down authoritarian <laughs> stuff that's the bad stuff let's get rid of that and where I was at the time was like why are you stopping there. Why don't you go further? Why don't you dismantle the, some of the theology? Why don't you dismantle some of the thinking? Why don't you dismantle, right. you know, the Reformed Baptist complementarian, whatever? I mean, deconstruct some of that stuff. Um, why don't you go to a church where a woman preaches? Or, I, I don't know. What, what? John, women can't preach. <laughs> <laughs> That's I do not permit a woman to preach. That's St. Paul. Not like, me. What, I don't hold that view was necessarily. That, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me that the women don't count towards the attendance in the congregation? Oh, yeah. that was all right, So, last, or no, two weeks ago, <sighs> Russ did an interview uh, with Dan. Dan Hazen, yeah. Hazen, and they were talking about Nickels and Noses, which was, I guess... The Nickels and Noses. I had to look it up. It apparently... It's, uh, it's actually... I, it's a thing from the 60s. It started in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's this thing that people talk about in church. It was an interview I did with a pastor on ASI who was... <laughs> that's a term he used. Because women don't count as giving units? No, no so, so, so the idea was Nickels and Noses was Nickels... The success of a tr- church is measured in... in uh, the number, the amount of money you get, and then people attending. So noses is the people attending, mm-hmm. and nickels. And, but it really, so I, I told Russ in the comment today, it should be called either pennies and penises or, <laughs> or dollars <laughs> and dicks because you're you're counting the money, but you're also really measuring the size of your penis, yeah. and you're only counting penises because the women don't count. Yeah, that's the yeah. modern like church, it's just right? the young men. It's just the young yeah, men yeah. That count. Just the modern church count wants men because young men, especially like Mars, Mark would go. So, so, so when, when shit hit the fan, I, I guess I was at a place where I was going further. I was full on leaving the reservation, and I saw people around me just kind of like not ready to do that. And yeah. misery loves company, maybe. I don't know. But it was like, mm-hmm. what? come on, guys. Why are you stopping there? But even to this day, I mean, a lot of people funnel into churches that are basically like, you know, more or less the same doctrinal distinctives. And I'm not shitting on that per se, but at the time, I just had that question of, Come on, go further. Push it further. Ask more questions. But people don't do that because it's really uncomfortable and it's well, really painful. Buildings yeah. fall apart differently. Some yeah, buildings, no, it's true. Some buildings just collapse suddenly. Yeah. And some people very slowly brick, break, break. Yeah. Right. Leo and I were talking about... not necessarily one that's better than the other. Oh, the no. People it, that, that crumple quickly can like do some damage to their lives. Sure. If they're not careful. That's true, yeah. Uh, and, 
and, but they are the people that... It's like stage one, right? Stage one's there for a reason. That's what yes. Roar was saying. And going yeah. to stage and two takes time, and it looks different for yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how then at stage two do you still engage stage one people? Empathy. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of where I am. Empathy. I'm in stage two with empathy towards stage one, and I'll put out little feelers. Because, you, because, because when stage two starts... You, you want to judge, you yep. want to condescend, yep. and sometimes you will even, like, yep. without even realizing <laughs> right. it. And and if you catch yourself, put yourself in there. Empathy is the key mm-hmm. because, A, you were there, remember yep. what it was like. Yep. And, and I don't want to forget that. See, and where I am, though, is yeah. it's more of a, not, I guess not judgy, but it's just a wake the fuck up. Like, just shake the <laughs> shit out of you enough. <laughs> It, you know, it's if I passing. punch you in the face just enough, there. you'll wake up. I was yeah. there. And that's why and I say I'm it doesn't, And unfortunately, it doesn't, doesn't work. It actually yeah. makes them shell. Yeah. Yeah. So it yeah. makes them go deeper. And, and that's what we were talking about earlier the with turtle. the why do you want to. Yeah. You lose influence. You punch why them, you want to. way up into their shell even tighter. I probably lost some influence I had over people through just my process yeah. being a little messy. And, yeah. yeah. Because they will say, oh, I'm glad your life is great. Mine is in the shitter. And I'm like, oh, crap. Well, and that's the way you come across when you do it that way. Yes. It's like, no, yes. my life yeah, is great. Come across I, I'm dealing with all kinds of shit. Like, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm worse than you. Yeah. I don't know how, but they're different, but it's, yeah. It's, I took the blinders off, and now I can see, and that's not easier but it's more encouraging and it's more hopeful. But it's sad that's what God is. You're walking. That's when you start yeah. trusting really hard yes. your Creator. To, you know? It's really hard not to go to a place of ang- or uh, arrogance and sanctimony. Yeah. Yeah. It that, is. And that's the bad. That, that will guaranteed happen. And then you can walk some of that back. But it's it's that is also like an onion. Like well, you, but, you finally get rid of some of that arrogance and sanctimony, and you wake up the next day and oh shit, well, I'm, I'm it's pretty, hurtful though. Like like, like I arrogance, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I lost a relationship with, with a, two really close friends, a, a couple. You know, my wife and I lost friendship with, with a really a couple we were really close to for years. It's, they just could not handle the shift we were making. They couldn't handle it. And right. and they started saying some stuff that was hurtful. And I'm, I just need to protect myself at the time. Like, I can't really talk to you, man. It's just, it, it's it's going to get bad because it's Didn't they move to Arizona? Yeah. <laughs> to be with yeah. Or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really I'm not don't judging, know. but... I really okay, don't know. So. But, 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 but it's that thing, though. We're, we're part of... <laughs> I am a little part judging. Part of that... So. <laughs> Am I gonna? There's, unless he got a job there that was there's really, pain. I don't know. That's, there's pain in that in that yeah. sanctimony that comes out, or, or or that condescension that comes out. Like, well, fuck you, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. Because it's like, well, we're friends, and 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 we're not friends anymore because we think differently yeah. about about church. Yeah. What? Yeah. But stage one, yes. Yeah, in stage one, yes, absolutely. It, that, yeah, that's the that's way a stage perfect, one works. That's yeah, a yeah. Example, because you are no longer following. The guidelines, the rule, not guidelines. Yeah, and that's, I guess that's the thing too. It's stage two, it's, there are more guidelines, right? Guidelines can be yeah. broken. Yeah, They're yeah. just suggestions. There's not a bunch of thou shalls. And I saw that in recovery too, where I would face someone, and maybe I'm better at it because I went through recovery and I can see <laughs> someone who's, whose life is a wreck and I see them continuing that behavior and I can still be friends with them even if they're mad at me. And maybe that's part of my life experience. You were talking about that with your – you had a coworker who you said was uh, sharing with you, you know, and you, you would ask him the opposite Dr. Phil question. Yes. Instead of how's that working for you? Like how did that work for yeah, you? Yeah, how did that work for and, you? And every time he's like, well, it's a horrible. Like, <laughs> and that was that was recovery group. You know, people come in and they just got fucked up last weekend and ended up wrecking their car or – you know, cheating on their girlfriend or wife, and then you're like, so how, did, how, did, how did that feel for you? How did that work for you? It sucks. I'm fucking here again doing this. You know, so I, you know, and then you're you're speaking into that place. But I was always weird in recovery because I never saw sobriety as the end game. Where and Dan and I talked about that in that interview too. Where a lot of people who go into recovery they see sobriety as the end game. It's like no, that's just the fucking beginning. That's entering stage two, maybe is what you're well, talking about. And that's about, where right? I'm at with my coworker now is moving into a conversation of, okay, so you you're sober. Yeah. So is that your end game? Yeah. I've been sober and it was <laughs> I just found and another thing to it, get addicted to. And it, I think a portion of him why I want to move the conversation there is I think he's starting to understand that it's a house. 
of rules. He can step out, and they're no longer these set rules. The problem with the stage one people looking at the stage two people is that if you disagree with them, that implies that they're wrong. Yeah, right. And that's really hard. And, then, <laughs> yes. like, hard. and they're yes. black and white. And they're black yeah. and white. Yeah. Yeah. They have to be wrong because if they're wrong, they go to hell. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or, or whatever. I don't yeah. want to reverse that. And if they disagree with me, I don't want to make them wrong. They you might. know what's great, though, is the Bible. Because a lot of these guys, they're not going to argue with the Bible so much. Right. And, and one of the scriptures that I found <coughs> really helpful in that situation is Matthew 5. And actually, Rick at AC3 helped, helped me with this, too. He said, if you look at Matthew 5, it's like a house. And you know what the front door is? I'm poor in spirit. Like, the front door is, I'm not doing this by my own power very well. So I, I need a different level of consciousness in order to get through that door. So the first thing is, you know, you're, you're at the end of your rope. When you admit that you're at, actually at the end of your rope... Then you open the door and you enter it. Right. Except for it, it is portions of your own power. What do you mean? It, well, so it's you're saved through your faith and grace, right? So it's well, not your, necessarily. Not if your life is still a wreck because it's not working, right? But you have to put forth effort. <coughs> you, yeah, but if the work, if yeah. the effort isn't meaning early anything, if you've been doing the same thing for two years, ask. Well, I see it as. Does that make sense? The, the view I've come to hold is that. Salvation is God's, but it, it's our job to respond. Right. You need to respond in, in some way. Like, th- that's how you participate, is by responding. Yeah. It's a good thing Arthur's not here tonight. He would have this conversation. He would have a great thing to say, though. <laughs> Arthur would be chiming in, and that would be great. But are, are, are people... Guys like Arthur challenge yeah. some of our... I gotta, yes. I gotta put on my Arthur tonight and really... Wait for that. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I, this isn't like a, a well-formulated dogmatic thought, but I would say that people respond in different ways from where they're at. And if, you know, you respond based on the love, the light that you have, and that looks different for everybody. Right. So I don't, I don't exclude someone who doesn't think the right things or believe the right things. And I say right in quotation marks, you know, <laughs> like, well, like and that's, the, you're so outside or something. I mean... It, Looking it's a at, mystery. You don't know. It's yeah, the whole thing's yeah, a mystery. Yeah. Don't get our dualistic. Approach it with humility. Yeah. With Arthur, so the first stage person will say, you know, he's going to hell, right? Right. Whereas yeah. the, the second stage, yeah, the second stage, see, we're all going people to hell. Are like, wait, how do the you second know? stage people say maybe he's hell? right? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Or, or, is there even hell? Right? right. Or or or, or, or or what is it? How are right. you defining <clears> it? Is it what you think it is? Yeah. Again, that's where those questions right. come in. And yeah. that's where, again, the onion, you can get t- stuck with the onion. So one thing to note is first stage, second stage, it's where most of our lives operate. But the goal really, though, is, is the third stage, which is where you see everything belongs, it all belongs. Relationship. Stage, yeah. Relationships. Boy, we're relation. to number three. Well, <laughs> Trinitarian. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. But... But but, that, but that's the thing though is, is like you kind of take a, a bird's eye view or to use kind of a you know the the mystical uh, third eye way of seeing I think is yeah. something that, that he's in, that's what Dan and I were talking about off mic was uh, how Rohr is called a universalist yet he keeps talking about the Trinity <laughs> he keeps bringing up Jesus and the Trinity it's funny how he's a he's a considered a. Uh, Misha's here. Come on. Misha will be uh, taking the place of Arthur tonight. So, so where are the rest (laughs) of that passage as far as the least will be first and the first will be least? Where is that passage? No, where are you in that? Like, what? How do you? um, Sorry, putting to death, putting to death my ego on a daily fucking basis, and that's painful. And it, it's not so much painful as it is. Kind of like exercise. It's it's painful in the sense that exercise is painful. Yeah. Because you don't necessarily want to do it, but you know it's good for you. <laughs> do you feel good about yourself when you, you do feel, it successfully? I don't. I don't no. know. I don't really know. <laughs> I probably. Should. I injured myself. I'm wearing a, a brace on my arm right now because I was exercising, and I didn't stretch or whatever. My doctor today. I went to the doctor today. And she's all, oh, you gotta stretch and you gotta warm up and you're gonna. You, there you did it. You went and injured yourself. She went all fundamentalist on me. My doctor. Well, she was right. So, John, would you consider yourself a stage threeer? No, geez, no, no. Do you, see Do you know what stage threeers? 
Uh, personally, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know what that... I, 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 think, I think these things are, are there to give illustrations, to give Correct. teaching tools, and the truth is you probably vacillate between one, two, and even you might touch three on a, on a good day. Um, Moving from chairs around. Like, here we go. So as stage one, I, I looked at a lot of people like they had three heads. You know, as a stage one, or looking at stage twos. And now it's like, wait a second, like, okay, so who do I think has three heads? So where are they at? Well, you, you asked that question about, you know, the the first shall be last and the last shall be first and kind of turning that on its, on its head. The, and the way I see the third stage, to use that metaphor, is... One thing I can say that's more important to me the older I get is is subtraction is much more important. You know, lessening l- less is more for me the older I get. I'm much less interested in in wealth or, or accumulating things or my career, ego, ambitions. I'm much less interested in that stuff. It just and maybe that's just the natural aging process, maybe it's just the you know, the ideas I interact with. But uh, but those things are less attractive to me the older I get, and I think that's part of that uh, that that idea that um, the last shall be first, the first shall be last, is subtraction, yeah. shedding of the ego, shedding of the self, those sorts of things. Yeah. So you think from stage one to stage two, stage one being the little kid in the corner trying to get his needs met, where stage two is recognizing the needs having been met or recognizing the needs that need to be met and stage three would be those needs having been met. Or you just don't expect them to be anymore. Yeah. 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 I think it's more like an engine. I think as you grow and develop and maybe there's some functional belief when your beliefs... See, beliefs aren't just... That's another thing that we were talking about. We could go into that. I'm really curious about going into that because Derek shared some stuff about... We did a show on why you do you want to believe X, right? And I think that for a belief to be functional, it has to work sort of like an engine. So you got one, two, and three, and they're all functioning. They're all running together, much like an engine runs. If you don't have spark in an engine and fuel, you ain't got no running engine. Or a diesel. I think a lot of people who are in stage one, and they're very, they're very secure in their stage one, they're, they're invested in stage one, and they say a swear word or like they wouldn't share that at church. Or I remember when I was in stage one, I bought an 18-pack of beer and I ran into my pastor who was like in a church that they didn't drink. Like if you were drinking, that was sin. Sin's drinking. And there I am, you know, at Safeway. Boom. And then, oh, Pastor Frank. Hey, buddy. <laughs> and, I, and I had that dissonance just kind of, you know. I didn't give a fuck really. But... Um, I couldn't admit that at that time. Now I can admit that I don't give a fuck. My relationship with Frank, I still love Frank. So that I guess that's where it, it works like an engine. Even though I wasn't actually doing the things I was invested in, yeah. my life was still turning with the relationships and with right. the functionality of being an ex-alcoholic. So that's another controversial thing about me. I don't drink myself unconscious anymore where I used to at one point in my life. Probably good that you don't. Yeah, it messes like with jobs and your health and relationships. We well, talked about these the, the pastor you interviewed. Your pastor, right? That uh, you interviewed pastor, Pastor Dan. Dan, and it sounds like he has a lot of freedom to be himself and to have the views that he has. Where I empathize is you become aware of people that are clergy or or pastors that have bought into a system. We actually talked about this before we hit the record button. Some, but. Their livelihood is attached to that first stage, yeah. Where they're not even free to ask the questions because of self-preservation, or their livelihood's dependent on it, and that's a real. Yeah. It's got to be a really the institutional. Or maybe they can, they can ask. I know pastors that will ask the question in certain circles. Yeah, they won't. Yeah. Not to the no. not to your my no. first my first kind of counseling session with Dan. He dropped the f bomb. In the counseling session, What's he's like, bomb, right? fuck that. He said something like, fuck that. <laughs> Fun times. And I'm like, oh, you know, I kind of backed up a little bit because it broke through that first stage a little bit with me. Yeah. So here's a pastor who just dropped the F-bomb reacting to something that I was feeling and going, yeah, fuck that. And then I'm like, oh, wow, we can really talk like actual human beings, like normal people. Like, this is kind of cool, you know. So I felt like I could open up to him. So that was a thing where I could open up to him in a different stage than just... My, and I didn't have any religious 
Um, the whole idea of preservation is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I kind of see uh, where you guys go with the stages and stuff, but um, I don't know that it's super important for me to segregate those two. And well... Those, and, and then, yeah, I'm trying to... I don't know. People vacillate between them, right. and it's not like a linear process. And, all, and they'll be in stage two on many topics in stage one. And oh, sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and and honestly, your life's kind of a disaster if you're stage two on everything, probably. Well, one conversation um, that, that you and I have had, mostly online, although I think we talked about it like in person, too, is um, I'll notice that I still have some residual superstitions. Right. And I can't pinpoint it. Like, if you asked me to define it, I couldn't. Because part of me has way, like, abandoned so much of that. Like when Seth mentions uh, shamans? Well, <laughs> well so, um, my, my patron saint is, like, a, you know, Russian Orthodox mummy who's enshrined in a tomb. And I visited his tomb, and I've asked him to intercede for me. So, like... You know, that's kind of weird. Right. Uh, you know, I... I um, <laughs> that's outside the box. I did a... That's outside your first stage. What you <laughs> I, dogmatic. I did a processing thing with a shaman. I uh, regularly engage in a Buddhist form of meditation. So you can't, like, really say that I'm, like... Pagan? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, is like I, I I've definitely have letting go of a lot. Yeah. But but then there's some things like I'm in New Orleans and I go into a voodoo store and I'm like, don't touch that. Like, yeah. what like what's the line? Like I, I can't tell you where that line is in my head. For like, me, like, here's, but I just there's some weird line. I, I don't I know have what it is. I can like, tell you. <laughs> it's when the, it's when the magic shit is cursing someone else. Oh. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot of that dark magic that is. Trying to either control the other, or um, or curse the other, and I think that shit's real, um, and that may be controversial for some people. But I think that can you put a hex on someone? Fuck, I don't know. That might be another how topic that works. For another but day if that's in your heart, that that's fucked up. You know, <laughs> if I'm gonna get call on some fucking demon god that, thing or whatever it is, that might be another Ouija topic. board shit. That might be another topic on another day, and it was actually a conversation I enjoyed having with Seth because. You know, one question is how much does do these things exist separate, external yeah. from yourself? And you, I think you had a similar conversation with Cash Peters about the, about the same sort of thing. Yeah. That's a really interesting conversation because if you don't believe in it, does it have any power at all? Exactly. And that's a whole other thing. And yeah. we've talked about that a bit too. Yeah, and that'd be an interesting topic to, to tackle one day. Um, but but anyway, so I think that superstitious element comes in with those stages. And what, where, was the, what was the thing that I was asking about the other day? The superstitious. Oh, thing? it was some meditation thing with with like oh, some, yeah, yeah, with some yeah. mudra. I'm yeah, like, yeah, with the with the hand. Yeah, he was doing mudras. I'm like, oh man, I don't know about the mudras, Derek. <laughs> mudras. I can't, I can't make my hand do that. And he's like, he's like, why? I go, I don't know. Like, I can't tell you. Like, I don't know. But it, but I, I have a, like a problem with it per, per se. But it's just one of those things where if it's not something I'm familiar with and if it looks strange. What am I doing or something? Right. So, so I had you in that same conversation watch an ASMR video. And we have, as of yet, to uh, we got to talk about that. we got to talk about that. My uh, wife asked me the other night, like, so are you listening to those girls whisper in your ear tonight, John? Like, <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah, it's, it's really fucking weird, dude. But, but, but it's interesting. When we got to talk about that. This is just pure curiosity. When you said you visited the tomb, did you go inside the tomb or just near it? What's that? You had said about you. You went to your saints. Tomb. Oh, I'm being a little. I'm being a little. Um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I, I'm being a little silly. Um, uh, in, in our faith, there's this big idea about incarnation. It's an incarnational yeah. faith. So, so basically, there's there's this belief in in, in relics and in things that still contain God's power. When saints were alive, they had God's power, and so. It just goes off that idea, like it says from St. James, I mean, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Why wouldn't you ask a saint who's departed to intercede for you or to pray for you? And and so sometimes that's done by, um, you know, like going to a relic or to a holy site and asking for that saint's intercessions. Okay. And, and that's – so uh, it's the most beautiful church I've ever been to in my life. It's incredible. And uh, he is in a coffin, like kind of in a shrine. 
Okay. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But I, I just use that just to kind of be silly, like, you know, yeah, my saint's a is a mummy. But but but, but he's he's actually a really amazing saint and and but going back uh, to and he intercedes for me. So oh, the reason I asked But this. you do believe that. It's that's a face statement. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a face okay. statement. Okay, yeah, yeah. Today you do. Yeah, today I do. Some days I might not. <laughs> but the, yeah, but that's the way faith works. It's it's messy, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the reason I asked that, I went to, I traveled for work a lot, um, and I was in Armenia. And oh, cool. I visited. I don't remember the off the top of my head the church's name, but it's right on the western side of Mount Ararat, and it's just gorgeous, right there on the Turkey border. Um. And so the interpreter that was with me, you know, we, he says, you want to go? I'm like, hello? Yeah. You know, like, when am I ever going to be here again? Um, and so we're walking through the church, and he's asking me if I wanted to go into the tombs. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, no, no, no. He's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, ahead. go this one first, you know. Okay, so you start down this ladder, and it's in a hole that I just barely fit in. <laughs> I mean, it's tight. Right. And I'm climbing down Claustrophobia a little a little bit. I'm not claustrophobic. <laughs> so I'm climbing in this ladder and it's like, holy shit, like, I'm in here for a while. I must have descended probably 30 feet easily before I even came into the room. And it was another 30 to 40 feet before I got to the bottom. And it's just this giant fucking hole in rock. Right. And I'm in there, okay, it's cool. And, you know, they explained a lot of who the tomb was for originally and all this other stuff. And so the dead guy, do you want to talk to him? Yeah. <laughs> um, so he says, do you want to go in so-and-so's tomb? And I'm like, um, there's more than one here? You know, like, and he explained that, that you know the tomb that I was in was just like a nobody kind of thing, that this other tomb is, there's all kinds of crap in there. Right. Um, and he says, but it's a small This guy hole. was more like a lounge singer. This fucking guy is Frank Sinatra <laughs> but he's like, over he's here. Like, it's a small <laughs> hole. So you, when you start in, you can't stop. And it's a long way. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm absolutely good. That's why I was wondering when, when you said yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's an interesting too. journey thing, too. So if you're in a prayer, it's almost like a labyrinth, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone was real spiritual and are going after the saints in that kind of way, then mm-hmm. you're praying your way into that hole. It's almost yeah. like a metaphor of going into yourself and and this saint is, is going to meet you there. Well, people identify with saints because their lives are an example of yeah, of, yeah. of kind of that shedding of self, of, of losing that ego self. And, right. and well, pulling shit out of the bull. Yeah, there's more yeah. shit. Well, that's there's what I love about traditional Susan. That's my own skepticism of her. Not always, but there, there definitely yeah. can be. Um, that's why I picked a modern saint because a lot of his stuff is verifiable. He's a you know 20th century saint. People are still alive that knew him. But yeah, sure. The further back you go, there's a lot of fantastic stuff. That's like what I don't know. Um, but but it's just kind of that idea of sacred space that of, of incarnational reality of of you know things are holy. Kind of this idea of separateness. Um, I, I don't know. I, I find a lot of that to be attractive and, and meaningful, at least right. in, in my faith view. So, right. So, you and I were talking about uh, cipher oh, yeah. in the Matrix, <laughs> our, our cipher, <laughs> our cipher analogy. <laughs> and Derek's. We, so we did a show on uh, why do you want to believe X, right? Like, why do you want to believe that? And Derek wrote a, a cool blog post about that. Episode fourteen. Go yeah. back and listen. Yeah, episode fourteen. <laughs> so, but. But that, I guess one, and there was a listener who wrote in about that episode and said something that was sort of like, oh, I don't know, a splinter in my mind driving me mad, (laughs) to use a matrix analogy. But it had me thinking about um, why do you want to believe? And I think there's an element of consciousness in that, that we're not getting into. And I think that the reason people don't want to believe X, or when you even ask that question or raise that question to some people, they're going to get crazy defensive because you're entering into sacred space in their own story. So it's kind of like you were talking about that stage one. You're entering into that stage one and you're crossing a boundary line with them. And if they have to, if they're going to answer that question, it's 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 hard for them. It's I wonder like, if it's more of a sacred cow than a sacred space. But yeah. Well, for them it's sacred space. For us, it's a sacred cow. Back that, to that would take a lot like beef jerky. What about cipher? So, 
So so anyway, speaking of sacred cow, he's eating steak in the video. Right? Oh, dude, yes. that's such a that's so hard for me. Right, because you're you're like kind of the end game is that oh well the Matrix or Zion is just this rave or whatever. Well, there's just this part of my personality that's extremely shallow, and if, <laughs> if my if my fake reality, even if it's fake, right, was like steak and wine and pretty girls in red dresses, that sounds a lot better than some. Well, part of the group agreement was that he wouldn't remember it. <laughs> yeah, right. right? Yeah, I want exactly. to remember nothing. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. yeah. Well, because if I wake up and I'm in some fucking rave that sucks, I don't want it because that's you know what, right. what Zion. Zion in, well, just, it's like some horrible rave that sucks underground <laughs> where they could die at any minute because uh, the bugs are going to come kill them. Take me back. I want the pretty girl in the steak. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I think is great too. Is you know, it's he's talking about the meat. You know the steak on his fork, and as he's going to take the bite, it's ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. Yes. You know, and it's, that's the hinge on. But it. that's for me. I guess maybe it's my recovery background. That is every addict. That is the song by Metallica, "Master of Puppets." Master of puppets is pulling your strings. You know, um, the, that song, those lines is, is, is that song is about addiction. But I think I mean I guess that's just where I go with that metaphor. Is if you choose. To stay unconscious. Like we were talking about, there are certain people that we know just because they're religious convictions, um, they couldn't stay in this room. They would have a real hard time with this. And I think that's because they, you know, they don't want to engage the, the, the ugly, the scary, the scary places. And I'm, you know, I've found a lot of freedom in that. I've found a lot of freedom going in and and, and finding the scary parts of myself and finding that demon that was hiding under the couch and getting that motherfucker out of my house. Some people don't want to do that. No. Mm-hmm. They're just safe with letting that. I, I think. Yeah, and I think too that a lot of times when you when you shake your beliefs, you figure out exactly how firm they are. Oh you yeah. Know, and you, you figure out whether the foundation that they're built on is going to support them when things start to shake. Yeah. Um, and that's that's yeah. That's I think. Important. So if we can land the. Plane on cipher. Going back to the land to the, the plane, Derek. So there's a lot of people. You know the word woke is going around a lot, right? And it's that woke. It's, yeah, right. Where I'm woke as fuck, basically. Hashtag, Hashtag woke. woke. Hashtag woke. <laughs> and it's something like people tend to be proud of. And back to the cipher analogy. If you're really woke. You shouldn't be that proud of it. It should make you kind of uncomfortable, <laughs> if not, if not flat out miserable. Right. Being like, can well, I just go, He's can the I Judas go, character, right? Can I just go back to sleep? Like, sleep is great. Like, like this woke shit is not all that all that it's cracked up to be. Let's just go back and do the like. If there's not a little bit of desire in you to go back to sleep, I don't know how woke you act. No, I get are. that, man. I do, because there's a lot of comfort in that simplicity. Well, I don't know. I think sometimes. that in my in in my recovery, I still had to address my sleepy stage. So if I stayed in that place, I would end up either burning my relationships to the ground and being divorced and, uh, or, you know, or dead, because that's kind of where my life was. I, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, and I'm not saying that you should go back to sleep. I'm just saying if you don't have that longing, if you don't have the longing for it, right? You know, it's a simpler time. It's over fucking rated. A simpler right? time. Well, that's why like ignorance is bliss. Yeah, ignorance is bliss. But how much? How much of that is judgy? I guess when when we say, um, "Why do you want to believe X?" and someone gets all defensive about it, is there a judginess in us to approach that question that way? Sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's a part. Welcome to punk theology. That's a part of it. That's. But not, I guess I, there's I, an ugliness in everything that we do. Right. And it's important to be aware of that, and and at some level address that. So I and then so the question you have to ask yourself is why do I want to be judgy in that situation? Or right? how do like, we where is that? What am I believing in that makes me want to do that? Why does that feel good to be? A judgy prick about yeah. If your approach is to be a judgy prick, right? But I think our our goal anyway in this podcast is to cross that difference divide with other people, and I think the reason we have such horrible animosity and things like Charlottesville happening is because people are so scared of stepping out of their own ideology or their own camp and crossing that difference divide and asking the other why they want to believe. 
mm-hmm. what they believe. And if we occasionally get to be judgy perks about it, it's just a perk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we welcome questions, and we welcome it's, your um, feeling judged or whatever. We, we want to be better communicators. That's part of this uh, project as well. So Punk Theology Podcast at uh, uh, gmail.com. What were you going to say, Chuck? Well, I was going to say the, the reason the why do you want... No, we'll end on this. We'll end on this. The, asking someone why they want to believe something is poking holes in their foundation. Yeah. And it gets them thinking to move out of the house, move from stage one to stage two. Yeah. And sometimes those conversations are uncomfortable. And that's okay. Turbulent fucking land. Please stop. It's okay. You tried. I ain't placing any blame. Heaven knows I've never been a saint I know that it feels like we just the way our history And just today, I looked at your picture Almost hit the say I miss you subconsciously Wish it didn't end this way But I just had to get away Don't know why, I don't know what else to say I guess I'm... Punk Theology is the property of DigitalAudioProject.com, LLC, and is solely responsible for its content. That exists because of intellectual property trolls. You ever heard the saying, trying to get blood out of a turnip? Uh, Suing us is moot point. Like, we have no, there's no money. That's why we're like an old punk rock band passing a hat around for gas money. Uh, thanks for listening. Kindred spirits, if you're still listening to the end of this podcast, appreciate you. And would you do one extra thing for the cause? Leave a review of this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, man, that would be a, a huge boost in getting this message out there for more ears to hear. Thanks again for listening. Bye.